Welcome to Power Your Profits podcast, your friendly guide in bringing your business revenue to the next level. Listen as host Susie Carter hears inspiring stories of success from her fellow entrepreneurs and transformational leaders. Prepare to make significant change to your strategies as they unravel the secrets of building multi-million dollar businesses and the most effective tips on finance, marketing, and sales accountability. If you want to make your first step towards explosive business growth, this is the right podcast for you. Without further ado, here is your host, Susie. Welcome to this episode of Power Your Profit Podcast. I am your host, Susie Carter, and I am so excited to bring you my next guest. If you love this podcast, please like and share it with all your community. I am going to welcome Kevin Kaufman. He's a real estate agent, investor, entrepreneur in 2008, co-founded one of the most nation's successful real estate team called The Group 4610. He's the host of the Kevin and Fred podcast, co-founder of a real estate mastermind called Next Level Agents. Please welcome to my show, Mr. Kevin Kaufman. So Kevin, I am so excited because you bring a different perspective in growing a business, growing a multi-million dollar business. And so let's talk about the elephant in the room, right? What the hell is happening in the marketplace right now? <laughs> oh my gosh. I don't think we have that kind of time. And I, I don't know if you're a qualified therapist or not, because I feel like I should be laying down on a couch if we're going to have that conversation. <laughs> you know what? It's crazy for sure. I get that question a lot. And what is going on is number one, unprecedented. There are so many other factors. I think that people's normal inclination is there's a bubble or there's something going on. And I don't believe there's a bubble, but there is a lot of activity and there's not a lot of, there's just not enough inventory. And we've got so many people shifting with the way things have changed over the last couple of years. And then the real big elephant in the, like the real estate room, if you will, is the fact that there are institutional buyers, Wall Street hedge funds. You know, it used to be 10 years, 12 years ago, when you looked at what's known as a, a real estate investment trust, those were all big commercial properties. They were landlords for big box stores, right? And office buildings and office complex. Well, right after the last bust, what got happened is a new asset class got created, which is single family residential rentals. And so you've got these companies, Blackstone is the biggest of the big, that some of these companies own tens of thousands, literally tens of thousands of homes and continue to buy them every month. And these homes are never coming back on the market. And so when you have the impact of inflation, all that's gone on in the last couple of years, we already had a dynamic seller's market. And then you add in the fact that we've got builders who are trying to build and that process has been slowed for many reasons. We have what we have today and it's, it is just bonkers to say it bluntly. Right. So what should consumers be doing? I know we're, we're geared towards real estate agents. We have a ton of people in our community that's real estate agents. So if you're a real estate agent and you're listening to this, you need Kevin and Fred in your back pocket for one. And then for us as the consumer, like it was great for me. I just sold my house in December, got $400,000 over asking. My daughter just sold her house. She got $250,000 over asking. And then my other daughter's on the other side buying and keeps getting kicked out of the market. Like she's offering $400,000 over asking and the agent's like, it's going to go for 1.7. And she's like, what? (laughs) So as consumers, what should we be doing? I think as a consumer, probably the most important thing you can do is select an agent who is very clearly a professional. And what I mean by that is they understand what's going on in the market. There are 
I love our industry because we're so entrepreneurial, right? And with, you know, in Arizona, it's, it's basically 90 hours of your life and a couple of tests and a background check and you two can be in business within a month. And that's awesome because it gives us all a chance, but that also brings a lot of people who I would say are not professionals and people who are not lifelong learners and don't understand the ins and outs of the market. So number one, as a consumer, you've got to find an agent that truly is a professional and they understand what is happening in the market today. I didn't say find one that's been in the business forever because that, you know, as you know, age doesn't always equal wisdom, right? Right. And so, but understanding what are the factors and the players and what is, if you're buying one of your daughters is experiencing, what do you have to do in order to secure a home, right? What is the best strategy? You have to go into these with a strategy, which means you've got to have a strategist that right. is working on your behalf, whether you're the, on the buy side or the sell side, truthfully. Right. Yeah, I had a second one, right? I had the first one who was not, although I'd used him in the past for other homes, right? I think he'd gotten lazy and so had to let him go, got another one that was more strategic and sold it again for $400,000 over asking because of that point. The yeah. first one was listing, second one was strategy. And I'm so loyal, like I felt bad. And I'm like, at the end of the day, this is this is my part of my wealth strategy, right? Real estate has always been part of my wealth strategy, whether it's my personal home or investment properties, rental properties. And so when you listen to this, we're speaking on many different levels. One, we're, we want to build wealth, yep. right? And real estate's a great way to do that. Even when I lost my hiney in 2008, <laughs> which you started your business in 2008. Yeah. Let me just, here, I'm bowing to <laughs> Kevin because I'm like, woo. <laughs> You know, that was actually, it was an advantage. I, at the time, you know, I'm such a rebel and want to go the opposite direction against the grain of what everybody else is doing. And so that probably played into why I was so willing to just kind of run into the fire, if you will. And it didn't take me long to realize, and even more now, I appreciate what an advantage it actually gave me to start back then. Well, yeah, you didn't have the cushy time, right? <laughs> Whatever oh, yeah. the cushy no. time is, there's never cushy time in entrepreneurship, but you think it's no. the cushy time. <laughs> like some people think this is like the cushy time. <laughs> yeah, it's hard. I, You know, it's funny because going back to kind of like the public's perspective or the consumer's perspective, a lot of it is like, oh, you must be really loving this. And I know I really, I dislike this market. I would really much rather see a more balanced market for both reasons for my client. No one's having fun right now. It's great when you get 400,000 over, but I promise sifting through 27 offers in two days is not fun for anybody. And dealing with the lengths and the tactics that people will go through to try to be the one to get their offer accepted or just the, how you get so worn out having to try to, you know, sometimes write an offer for somebody on five or 10 different homes. It's hard. I think this market is harder than what I came into when I first got licensed in 07 and in especially in 2008 when I was really building my business with my business partner. Yeah, I think that's what was happening in 2010 too, because we every home I went on, oh, you missed it. Oh, you yeah. didn't get it. Oh, and you're like, I quit. <laughs> <laughs> it can definitely wear on you for sure. So then part of your wealth strategy, so if you share from your own personal wealth strategy, what's your wealth strategy as an entrepreneur and a business person? You know, I'm so glad you asked that question, Susie, because this is probably the thing I've spent the most time thinking about for the last two years. And I think for the first part of my career, I really focused on, I just built my business. I really put, I invested my money back into my business. We purposely took home less money than we could have in order to reinvest into more people and better systems into our real estate sales business. So that's my core business, right? And that, that kind of funds my life and pays my bills. And then I've got another business that's around residual income like that I've had now for about four years, eXp Realty, where I receive a portion of what we call revenue share. 
that's a big part of it because what that has done is I've been able to grow that to the point where it's exceeded my active income from my real estate sales team. And sort of the mental model that I use is to take that income and then try to replace that. And I do that with a simple strategy that I've learned from a very good friend of mine who is extremely wealthy and just intelligent. And, and it's, I just try to break my investments and my wealth into different buckets, you know, into things like cash, obviously real estate. I've been buying is under contract on the fourth, on a fourth rental, single family rental property in the last 15 months currently. So real estate as well as, of course, things like stocks and retirement accounts that I've funded. Then I've got other things kind of like more collectible type of deals and cryptocurrency. So just I've got different asset classes and I just try to allocate my money across those five different what I would call buckets or what my friend Ben would call buckets mm-hmm. in order to make sure that whenever I am done working, I don't know that I ever will be because while I do like to take time off, it's, I'm always thinking about it up here, but if I ever wanted to stop it, it wouldn't matter. And so, you know, I've got an investment in other couple other businesses I've also invested into. That's one of the other buckets. And so I'm just always looking at opportunities and going, Hey, what's the way to continue to build assets and cash flow for the future? Right. I love that. And I want you to hear, right. When you look at all the ways, right. Wealth isn't one thing you do, right? Like a business, my business has spun off cash to invest in real estate, to invest in other businesses, to invest in my executive bonus plan, to, you know, to really look at it. When you look at the whole pie, it's like, oh, okay, this commitment to grow this has been, it's not been easy. Like you said, I paid myself less. Most people aren't willing to do that. Yeah. That's probably the most common thing I see with with what I'm going to call successful real estate agents is they've reached a level of success. They know how to do the business. And it's not that they don't want to let go. It's they're financially incapable of letting go because it would cost them to, they'd have to take too much of a step back personally in order to do that. I was fortunate to have a mentor that really drove home that point early on of, hey, you can do that or you can just, and I knew right away, I like to say I'm lazy, but ambitious, or maybe it's I'm ambitious and lazy. I'm not sure which order, but so I'm willing to invest into other people and other things if it gives me a better life. And I'll make less money today with the hope of my plan will work out 5, 10, 20 years down the road. And it can be hard sometimes when you're trying to do something today and the next 90 days that really the big payoff is 5, 10 years down the road, right? That can be really, really challenging. But when you get some momentum and you see a path and someone who's done it, you realize it actually can't be done that way. And for me, that's the route I've chosen to go. Yeah. You know, that's what happened to me in 2007, 2008, right? The goal, right? We had built this portfolio of real estate. We lost about 10 million in assets, right? What felt like overnight. Oh, I'm sure it did. You know, it was so hard, but the lesson was, oh, I know how to do it again. So the first thing I did once I corrected everything was invest in real estate. People are like, why? You just lost your hiney. I'm like, because it's paid me millions. Like you got to have the down with the high. Now that was a hard down. (laughs) But it didn't take me 20 years because I had learned over 20 years, right? It took me five years, but I didn't take, you know, so I saved 15 years because I wasn't as naive and didn't know, right? I didn't have the connections like with you. I didn't have the connections with, you know, my financial brokers. I didn't have those relationships before. I was just ignorance on fire, you know, coming out (laughs) of that. I was like, who do I call? That was who can help me out of this and see, help me see, because I'm in the forest, in the weeds, in the dirt, in the mud, (laughs) 
Yeah, it's tough. That's anybody who's ever owned a business or runs a business eventually usually happens when you think everything's great. You're going to get punched in the face. It's just part of life. It's part of business. You know, for me, what I really think about is, and I don't know if you relate, but especially over the last like 10 years, when we were really head down focused on growing our business and reinvesting into it, saw a lot of my friends who are also real estate professionals start to do other things kind of in and around their core business, which wasn't necessarily bad, but we kept saying, we got to refocus, we got to refocus. And that was harder because again, the payoff came down the road. Now it enables me to have a, you know, a real estate sales team that I, I work an hour a week to, and we'll sell a couple hundred homes this year. Like you said, that business then kicks off the cash that I can, number one, live on and number two, start to invest. And then I can use that and it really starts to snowball. And it feels like, or I felt like I was maybe missing out for a number of years. Yeah. Definitely feel like I've been able to make up for time because I delayed it, right? I just kept delaying and reinvesting. And now I've been able to not just make up for time, but hopefully continue to snowball that into something much bigger. Well, I think our culture is instant download, Google instant download, Google instant download, but that's not how wealth works. Yeah. Wealth is a long-term game, not a short-term game. You can make money. Like I have a, a client that makes millions, but she spends millions. Right. Yeah. So it's like you're not really building your wealth. Who cares that you make five million if you're spending six million? You you've not made anything. You're just in debt. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, hundred percent. And that's what keeps most real estate agents in that. You know, I I believe most real estate agents actually have a job, not a business, because they're they're trapped by it for a lot of those exact same reasons. Or lifestyle, trying to keep up with the Jones, whoever the Jones are. That we need to hunt them down because <laughs> gotta tell them to stop being a bad example. <laughs> These fictitious Joneses, right? Because at the end of the day, but I think you have to go through that, especially if you've not had anything. You got to go through buying the house and the cars and the clothes and the shoes and the purse and the thing and the electronics and all the things. And then you realize I'm still not happy or I'm still not fulfilled or I still don't have the things I want. Then you go, what's really important, which is, like you said, personal time, time with my family, building the future so I don't have to work. You can choose. Like I'm in a place I don't have to work. I get to choose to work. And I'm fine for the rest of my life, you know, and that took huge discipline. Yeah, it's funny, you know, you see people like there's people that are, you know, you'd call them rich and then there's people that are wealthy and then there's people that are, you know, extremely wealthy. Mm-hmm. And what I've come to, at least what I think I know is that the reason why some of those people get to be really wealthy, it's not because they needed the next dollar. It's because they understood how to play the game. And so they just kept playing it because they know that, hey, if I, if I move the chess piece here and I move it there and then I move it there. I'm going to keep winning. And if I don't win, someone else will. So I might as well just keep doing it. And so, you know, sometimes you find some people are just, they go from this net worth of like five or 10 million to 50 and a hundred million simply because they just kept playing the game that they figured out how to play for a long period of time. Right. And you have to have people in your tribe like you and I. Oh, so you don't absolutely. get caught up with like be smart financially. Luckily, I had really great mentors early on going, you need to start now. I think I was 25 when I opened my first retirement account. And was so disciplined, you know, to just put that money aside, pay myself first, pay myself first, pay myself first. Even though I needed to pay rent, even though I need to pay my mortgage, even though I need to pay my kids school. She kept saying to me, do not spend that money. Pay yourself first. Right. And I was like, okay, pay myself first. Pay myself first. That's so true. See, one of my core beliefs as well is like proximity is power, right? I think that we've all heard the saying, like, you know, you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with. But yeah. the truth is, yeah, I believe we rise to the level of the people that we end up spending the most time with. And I think about two of my friends slash mentors who are both extremely wealthy. And one of them, Chris was, you know, he told me this story about, talk about paying yourself first. There was times early in his career and his business where he would sit down with the, with like his bookkeeper and there wasn't enough. And he would literally say, 
deposit the money into the retirement account. We'll be late on this bill this month and we'll make up for it next month. And he did. And I look up and I don't know his exact net worth today, but I would guess it's probably north of $50 million, maybe even a hundred for all I know. But I remember him sharing that with me a few years ago. And that just really, wow, it's the power of really believing in that and then sticking to that plan. Well, an accumulation, right? I think once I got out of spending and then I started accumulating, that got more fun than spending. You start seeing the accumulation. You start seeing like when I get my portfolio, I'm like, oh, I made a hundred grand last year and I didn't do anything for that. Right. But be disciplined to go. I made a hundred grand last year in that portfolio. Like. That is like bonus. <laughs> yeah. Like let that be the exciting thing, not the new car or the third car or whatever, but let the fact that I've accumulated more of this stock or of this retirement plan or another rental property or whatever it is, right? Let that be the win. Once you do that, that's what I mean by like, it seems like a game. And once you figure out the how to play the game and how you win the game, you can just keep doing that. Right. My first partner, like he was managing the budget and I'd say, oh, we need this, like a new computer. He's like, no. And then I'd say, oh, I think we should create this product. Oh, magically we had money. I'm like, hold on. You say we have no money. Then we have money. He goes, we can spend money that's going to make us money, but I'm not going to buy an asset that's just going to depreciate. I want to spend money that's going to make us money, the now money now. And it took me a long time. I just feel like he was trying to be the boss of me. <laughs> Quit being the <laughs> boss of me. And then to really appreciate that, the discipline of going, I don't need that new mic. I don't need that new widget, gidget. I don't need to update my website right now, right? What can I do that's going to make us money, right? And working with our clients, I'm like, is this going to make us money or is this a depreciation asset? We need those too. But when I look at what's the main goal of business, it's to provide you a lifestyle that a job cannot. Yeah. Right? Let's leverage that cash and use that cash and invest it in real estate, invest it in your executive bonus plan, invest it in another business, I like nice things. I don't think there's anything wrong with nice things. But what I do think is important is that we're honest with ourselves about, am I buying this or am I spending this money because it's a good decision, sound decision financially, or because it's something I really want. And maybe it's an ego stroke, or maybe it's just something I want. I drive a Tesla. I'm not afraid to say it. I'm not really a car person, but, and I'm aware, like I usually tell people like, this is by far the worst financial decision I've ever made in my life. And I would do it again. Unless you bought it brand new because there were some really good tax incentives. I will say that. I I did. I did. Absolutely. I did. And I zero costed it and all of that. Like I really did, but it was still was, you know, it's hard to justify that price tag on something. And I just was honest with myself about it. And I just said, you know what, I'm doing this and I'm going to do this. I didn't tell myself, you know what, I'm going to buy this and then I'm going to just be able to do this. It's going to bring me more business. I didn't do any of that. I just went, I'm acknowledging what I'm doing. Can I afford it? Yes. I realize the decision I'm making, why I'm making it. Okay, let's go do it. And I think as long as we're honest with ourselves about that, then then there's no harm in it. It's when we're, we start lying to ourselves because then we start to make a lot of poor, unfortunately, poor decisions also compound just like good decisions. And then you can look up and be in a bad spot. Right. Over leveraging yourself. Right. I bought one too. I just had, I couldn't do the charging thing stressed me out. Right. I remember having to go to Santa Barbara, drive to Santa Barbara, and I had a a 450S or something, or I don't remember what it was, but I had 450 miles before I had to charge again. And I couldn't make it to Santa Barbara. I literally went to the Jaguar dealership, got rid of that car, bought a Jaguar. I'm like, I need gas. I can't do this. It's stressing me out too bad. So know your tolerance risk, right? (laughs) Absolutely. Yes. No. And I have, uh, just like my phone, I have the fear of losing charge. I'm going to pull over way before I need it. But yeah, I also feel like if I still had a gas tank, I haven't for five years, but if I did, 
I would fill up, you know, when I get down to like a quarter of a tank. So, right. So it's a learning curve. What I will say, right. When I look at, you know, what's been your secret sauce shifting in a pandemic. And when I was looking at your guys' site, I'm like, oh, well, they started in a pandemic because people think a pandemic is, oh, this is an anomaly. No, like we have the depression, the recession, the real estate crash, we've had financial crashes. But what's been your guys' pivot inside of this to keep growing inside of the way the market shifted? Uh, in the we- beginning, you couldn't show houses. In the beginning, it was locked down. In the beginning, there was much more regulations. And then you guys started getting savvy with virtual tours and whatnot. We were really fortunate in the sense that going back to my sales business, we expanded that outside of our home market, which is Phoenix years ago, 2014. So on some level, you've been learning to work remotely and in a different environment for quite some time. And then to compound that in 2018, we moved over to eXp Realty, which is cloud-based. There are literally no physical offices. Everything runs on the back end in the cloud. And so that was also another advantage we had. And so a lot of it is we were just set up for it. But the other part of it is you know, obviously in March of 2020, nobody knew what was going on or what was going to happen, but we had been through tough times before. So my business partner and I sat down and said, all right, we don't know what's happening or what's going to happen. Here's what we think we could control and let's go do that. And we made a real focused effort, Susie, just to get more personal with our people, both who work with us as well as the consumers, the buyers and sellers. And what we found, you know, here in Arizona, we really didn't notice a big drop off in sales. It, it was a week or two. Changed the way we did things. Of course, like you said, there got to be vir- more virtual appointments. There got to be more showings virtually and with less people involved. And so all of that, I think, came v- fairly naturally because the whole world had to adjust to it. So it was really easy to go. If you were used to doing something, say, in person or even like, you know, outside in in person, whether in an office or on the road, it was really easy to that to a Zoom because the whole world moved to a Zoom and it became easier to set that expectation where I had sort of always been that way. I didn't want to ever really leave my office for my appointments. And so I think the rest of the real estate industry who operates very much on a physical, let's get belly to belly basis got forced into leveraging some things that we wouldn't normally leverage as an industry. And fortunately enough for us, our brokerage was set up that way from the very beginning. Awesome. So let's talk about like some of my biggest lessons have been in my biggest hardship. We always say the bigger the breakdown, right? The bigger the breakthrough. So what's been your biggest, some people call it failures. We can call it breakdowns. What's been your biggest failure? And then what'd you learn from it? (laughs) So many, so many, so many. (laughs) Just one big one. You know, to, in order to not turn this into a therapy session, I think of, I made a big mistake in 2012, a very thriving and growing business. And I took an opportunity to go be a regional director for, at the time it was Keller Williams region uh, franchises. So I was, was in charge of a region of like 20, 25 franchisees. And number one, there was a couple breakdowns and a couple big mistakes. The biggest mistake was I got up and I left my city and I went to Denver where the regional office happened to be. And I didn't do a good job in building leaders within my own sales business at home. But I also realized that I was so desperate for more mentorship and guidance from people who had been where I wanted to go, building businesses, building passive income, that I took an opportunity just to be around people and to learn from people. And I realized that I don't operate unemployable. I don't operate in a corporate, I don't follow the rules. You joked with me before we press record about my footwear, right? And I'm unemployable and I'm okay with that. And I have this momentary lapse in judgment. And at the same time, 
So I recognized that fairly quickly, probably quit within 90 days and was out of the role completely within six months, but then came back home. And even though it was our best year in business, it was also falling apart. Everybody who worked with us on the sales side of the business was leaving, did leave in a short period of time and the market was shifting. So I had this specialty of short sales where I was better than pretty much anybody else in the entire country. Like I had a higher conversion rate, was a well-known expert at being able to get these done. That was our specialty and niche. And the market had turned. So not only did we lose our leverage because of our poor leadership, but the market was shifting. And I really hadn't even learned to be a realtor yet. I will tell people 2013 and 14 is actually the year I learned to become a realtor. Meaning when I sat down to take a listing, I actually had to go sit at someone's kitchen table and I had to do a good job of conveying the value that I bring because they were meeting with other realtors as well. And it was no longer because I could help save them from foreclosure, whereas nobody else could or very few people could. So it went from me having this unfair advantage to being unprepared. And so those were a lot, you know, 2012 and 13, I'm in early part of 14, a lot of lessons, a lot of punches in the face. And, you know, and it made, like you, it made me better. Like our business is significantly better today because of that time. Right. Most people quit when they're in that spot. Like, I can't do this. Don't I wanted to. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I think we all do, right? We have that little pity party and then you go, all right, pull up your big boy panties. Well, big boy drawers, you don't have panties, right? Exactly. Yes. (laughs) Okay. So talk about your group 4610. Does that have a spiritual meaning? Uh, Yeah. Yes and no. So 4610 is actually from Isaiah 4610. But the meaning of it is if you've ever read Stephen Covey's book, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, one of those habits is begin with the end in mind or think with the end in mind. That's really where it comes from. A friend of ours had talked to us about, he'd done some lesson and my business partner and I had both attended it where he thought that came from Isaiah 4610, the lesson itself, begin with the end in mind. And that made a lot, it always stuck out to us. And so especially in the short sale world back then, where when you took a listing, you know, today, everything you did would set you up for success or failure six and nine months down the road. And so for us, we needed a team name and it was not going to be my name on the sign or my business partner's name on the sign. That was just kind of, I said it and we both went, yeah, that's it. Yeah. So when I was looking at it, I went, what is 4610, right? So found the Bible reference. I'm like, I wonder if that's it. Right. Yeah. I love my, to when you stand for something. Yeah. And, stand for something or fall for anything do this is clear this is my values begin with the end in mind right i love that so you can get a hold of kevin and fred at kevinandfred.com really simple right so those that are real estate agents those that if you want to invest in real estate you want to have a credible company supporting you looking at you, you've got a team of people that can help you i appreciate your generosity and knowledge and time and expertise i've loved this conversation Right. I feel like, you know, birds of a feather talking about wealth and wealth strategy and just being open and transparent because that's what it takes to grow in any marketplace. So thank you. Any parting words for us? First of all, thank you. I appreciate the opportunity and it's been fun uh, to do this with you on your show. And you said something earlier just about mentors and that's a word that's always stuck out to me. That's something I've always sought out. I mentioned about believing in proximity is power. That's something I really believe in. So plugging into things like your community. In our community of real estate agents, if you're in real estate or whatever it is that thing is that you're doing, plugging into people who are maybe further down the road than you are and also of kind of like-minded and, and beliefs and goals. Not that we should always just be around people that believe the same as us, but who want similar things and are on a similar path, I think is so valuable. Right. And that are walking the talk. We always say the tongue in your mouth and your tongue in your shoe are going in the same direction because there's so many people, especially in your industry, the tongue in their mouth, and their tongue, in their shoe are going in completely different directions. I call that stage talk. Yes. Yeah. yes. 
So thank you, my brother. I appreciate you. Have a blessed day and thank you for serving us and contributing to us. If you love this episode and you have real estate agents in your tribe, your community, and you want to introduce them to Kevin and Fred, please share this episode because that's how we really find valuable partners that we can play with inside a business. Kevin, thank you so much. I appreciate you and have a blessed day. Thank you. I appreciate it. Talk to you soon. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Power Your Profits podcast. Let these building blocks from today's most successful industry leaders equip you with the necessary resources and tools to finally establish the highly profitable business of your dreams. Want to hear more? Listen to more episodes at https colon double slash poweryourprofitspodcast.com. And don't forget to subscribe to the show. Now is your time to rise to the top of your game. So be sure to catch our next episode. Until next time.